Welcome to YF Presents. I am Brian Chun, joined here by a very special guest. Dan Moorhead is the CEO and co-chief investment officer of Pantera Capital. Dan, how are you? Great, Brian. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, looking forward to this conversation. Uh, obviously, you have been a massive name in the crypto space. Here we are at the end of March, and I guess I just kind of want to kick off this conversation by talking about all the action that we've seen in the price of Bitcoin. Uh, down 12% year to date, but obviously it had ripped up much higher in the latter half of the year in 2021. Just kind of curious about what you're thinking about the Bitcoin price action so far in 2022. Sure. So Bitcoin goes in some pretty wild cycles over the last nine years that I've been investing in it. It's had six bear markets that averaged about 60%. This one's been 50%. And I think that as institutions engage the space, all of those cycles will moderate, thankfully. And so I think a 50% bear market is probably all you're gonna get going forward. So I think we're either at the lows or very close to it. And another thing we've seen historically is when there's been a massive rally, like in 2013, 2017, in the last two years, the market typically peaks right around January 1st and kind of drifts down into tax day as you know, many investors who are limit long crypto have to sell some crypto to pay their taxes. Uh, and then after that, the market can kind of get going. And then I would say the third thing that's, that's definitely impacted it is, although Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies generally have a very low correlation to asset classes over long periods of time, in very stressed periods where the S&P as a proxy for risk is down quite a bit, there have been six of those since Bitcoin started trading. And the average is that for 72 days, correlation goes very high. And then over time, it then breaks down. And all those things combined make me actually wildly bullish right now. I think that uh, the markets will decouple. I think stocks and bonds may keep going down potentially for years, whereas blockchain assets can go up. I mean, I definitely want to get into kind of where you could see the price action going in the future. But I mean, just to kind of keep thematically to looking back on what happened so far, I mean, you noted in February that uh, you didn't predict that such a savage downturn, I think is the language that you use, was going to happen in crypto. And I understand that the tax implications, that's maybe something you had expected, but it seems like the asset correlation bit that you were describing in the latter part, maybe what was the surprise there. Is that a good reading of kind of what you saw in the first three months so far? It is, because I think the big macro theme here is the Fed's massively behind the curve and is going to have to raise rates much more than anyone has been talking about. And so in our December 7th investor letter, we said it was a Ponzi scheme. The market, the uh, bond market had been manipulated by the Fed. They'd driven the value of bonds $15 trillion above their 50-year uh, real rate uh, pricing, and that that would pop soon and... It did, you know, bonds have uh, gone up 100 basis points in yield since we predicted that. What we didn't predict is that would have a very negative impact on blockchain. And so when you're trading and something goes against you, you're, you're either uh, wrong or early. And I think in this case, um, the markets have it wrong and that blockchain will decouple from the other asset classes. And if you think about it, you know, with rates rising, that is mathematically uh, negative for bonds. It also has a, a negative impact for anything else with discounted cash flows like equities or real estate. But blockchain is totally independent of rates. So I can see us, you know, six months from now where the other asset markets are still struggling and blockchains, you know, back off to its typical 2.5x year growth that it's been doing for 11 years. 
So do you have an uh, estimate for where you could see Bitcoin going in six months? And then let's even expand out to, uh, to a year or two years from now. Yeah, so for us, we've been doing this a long time and Bitcoin has gone up 2.5x on average for 11 years. And sometimes it gets ahead of itself and has a bubble and sometimes it's uh, in a bear market like it is now. Uh, and we're right now actually 60% below that 11 year trend um, regression. So our normal forecast is that a year from now, we're going to be 2.5x higher. You know, that puts you at about 100 grand, 100,000 per Bitcoin. And although that number sounds crazy, I think it's, you know, it's pretty likely to happen. Yeah, I mean, you're not the only one that has that kind of bullish call on Bitcoin. I mean, I want to rewind to just what you said about the Federal Reserve and that remaining a big story. It's really interesting to open up a lot of these new burgeoning publications that have been covering the crypto space and seeing such close coverage of the Federal Reserve, because it seemed like uh, that was something that only the Wall Street Journal or the old guard would do. But obviously, that remains a massive story for crypto and risk asset classes at large. Uh, what are you seeing on that front now that the Fed has pivoted to this stance of, look, we got to get on inflation. We're raising rates. They already did that last week. And it sounds like a lot more in terms of tightening is expected to come this year and next. Yeah, so that is an interesting question. The first two years of this uh, policy uh, regime were very easy. The Fed and the Congress were printing $9 trillion of new pieces of paper money. And that had to mean that it would take more pieces of paper money to buy the same things whether those things are uh, ounces of gold, shares in the S&P 500, median homes, cup of coffee, or crypto prices. So that bit was very clear. If they're gonna print all this paper money, it was gonna drive up the price of hard assets. And you know, really the inverse of that would drive down the price of paper money. This is a new uh, policy regime where all that money's still out there. So the quantity of money is still the same. There's still the extra nine trillion sloshing around. The only difference is, uh, the Fed's raising rates on uh, overnight borrowing, and that ultimately will make bonds go up on higher yield. Again, that's totally connected to the price of bonds, but it isn't really connected to the price of Bitcoin or the price of other blockchain assets. So I can see a world in a year's time where the Fed has rates at 5%, which is you know double what anyone else is talking about these days. Uh, but that And that has a, a big impact on the, the standard risk assets. But hey, you know, uh, Bitcoin's gone up 147% a year, 5% higher funding costs. I just don't think it's going to dissuade people. So if you have an asset that goes up 147% a year and rates go from zero to five, obviously has some uh, slight negative impact, but it's very small relative to the returns people have gotten historically in Bitcoin. So, I mean, that's the Bitcoin side of things, but I know one other major thesis that you had was effectively shorting bonds and shorting mortgage-backed securities, the two major assets that the Fed loaded up in the magnitude of trillions, as you described, with their $9 trillion balance sheet. Now, how does that relate to the crypto thesis? Are, are they completely unrelated or are they tied together? Well, I think they are related in the sense that uh, institutional investors are always looking for uh, places to invest their capital that are going to have, you know, high returns and low correlations. Uh, and if they come to share my view that interest rates are going to uh, go up 20x in overnight rates and 3x in the 10-year note, that's really a terrible place to be invested. Uh, and if that happens, it's probably going to be tough for stocks and it's probably going to be tough for, for real estate. And so they're going to be looking for assets that are uncorrelated to interest rates. Uh, and blockchain, I think, is a is a good um, 
uh, place to look. And the important point is, you know, blockchain is a two or three trillion dollar asset class. So as these institutions are looking for things they can invest in, it's not a niche thing, you know, like fine art or you know something like that. And they can really put huge amounts of money to work. And we're seeing that in our own funds that the institutional appetite for investing in blockchain funds right now is so much higher than it was even say 12 months ago. Let's talk about your blockchain fund. Uh, your current one, you're targeting $600 million. I understand you're closing next month in April. I understand you bucketed into three things, venture equity, early stage tokens, and then liquid tokens. We talked about Bitcoin. Everyone already has talked about Bitcoin, but what are other types of projects that are really a priority for you when we think about DeFi, uh, non-fungible tokens, NFTs, decentralized autonomous organizations, DAOs? Do you feel like there's specific place that you really like, that you think is hot and are really good investable opportunities right now? Well, yeah, I think the most important thing for investors is there are way more projects than just one. You know, Bitcoin's been amazing. Our, our Bitcoin funds up 60,000%, so it's, it's been great. But there are hundreds of other interesting projects, many of which are built on top of other blockchains like uh, Ethereum. So we're investing in all kinds of Web3 uh, applications that are replacing the big centralized data monopolies that we're used to uh, with decentralized versions of them. So both sides are going to get a better user experience at a, at a lower rate. And to my mind, Web3 is one of the most obvious trades uh, that I've seen in my career. DeFi is very important. Again, taking the middleman out of borrowing and lending or out of exchanges and doing that with code. Code's you know, very efficient and doesn't eat much. So it's, it's a lot uh, cheaper than using a centralized exchange or a centralized uh, bank. And so um, all those different applications are as compelling or even maybe more compelling than Bitcoin. And so to build a portfolio, you want to have quite a number of different assets in that. What do valuations look like right now? Because there was some talk that especially with the ramp up in Bitcoin and broad crypto at the end of 2021, some people had described valuations as a bit frothy. Is that something that you're also seeing given the fact that there's a lot of competition coming into the space for investment money. Uh, are you seeing that as the case? Are there certain types of ways that you try to separate yourself from other investors? I know you have the Bitcoin white paper as wallpapered on the back of your, uh, your wall there in that conference room. Um, what else do you look for beyond the intangibles of just the project themselves? Do you look at the leaders? Do you look at other types of things when you try to figure out what's a good investment project? Sure. So I've been hearing Bitcoin's a bubble for eight years, right? Like everyone always loves to say it. And my point is, how can you have a bubble that almost nobody owns? 90% of major institutions have no direct exposure to blockchain. Um, you know, there's 200 million people now that own blockchain assets, but there's three and a half billion people with a smartphone and that's all you need to, to be in the blockchain ecosystem. So it's, I just think we're in very early years of a multi-decade transformation. And, and so you know, it really is way too early for the, you know, the, the uh, uh, to be calling that the sky is falling and that this thing is over. Uh, and as we're evaluating projects themselves, you know, it is very similar, just normal venture. We're looking at the team, you know, how big the market is. Uh, these are typically open source software protocols. We're looking at how well they're building a community and how excited other people are to develop onto their uh, protocol. But we're still really early into this. All right, Dan Moorhead, CEO and co-chief investment officer of Pantera Capital. Thanks so much for jumping on Yahoo Finance. Appreciate it. Thank you, Brian.